Welcome to this episode of Cleardcast with your host, Jeff Bennett. Jeff is the owner of RedBikePublishing.com, providing books, training, and blogs for security-cleared employees. We would like to welcome Ron Sixtus. He's the managing partner of Bond, Botus, Sixtus, Tanner, and Azil, PC in Huntsville, Alabama, and Decatur, Alabama. He's a graduate of the University of Arizona and the Northern Illinois University College of Law. Ron concentrates his law practice in the area of consumer bankruptcy, consumer law, including fair debt collection practices, act cases, fair credit reporting, act cases, social security disability, VA disability, and security clearance revocation cases. So thanks, Ron, for joining us on the podcast. And well, I appreciate you having me, Jeff. Uh, I, uh, I, got, I guess I've gotten to know you over the last year or so. And uh, one word comes to mind, you're very prolific with the work you do. Oh, well, thank you. I do it part-time, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> part-time work, that's amazing. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, I'm a full-time system security engineer. And then at night, I, I, I do um, uh, training and blogging and podcasts to help facility security officers. Sure. Returning. No, it's impressive. Uh, well, thank you. Well, I wanted to talk to an expert on security clearances exactly. And uh, I think that's what our audience of this podcast is interested in. Um, for clearancejobs.com, uh, it's the entire workforce that works on security cleared contracts. And uh, how did you get involved in this arena? Sure, sure. And, and, and you say an expert. I'm an expert at security clearance problems. Uh, you're the expert in making sure things run right or as they're supposed to run. Um, no, I, uh, I used to prosecute these way back when, when I was in the Army as a prosecutor. We used to handle clearance issues for the prosecution for a uh, active duty soldiers and, and officers. And, uh, and then, you know, the government, Doha at the time, wasn't really handling those. We were doing them locally. And then when I, um, I changed and became a, um, a defense counsel with the U.S. Army Child Defense Service at Fort McClellan, and my office handled all of McClellan and Redstone. And uh, there I was defending all the soldiers and officers who got in trouble with their clearances. So that's kind of how I got into it. I've just kind of stayed involved. I mean, it's, you know, who would have thought that this place would explode with, uh, with clearance issues just be, you know, by the sheer size of what the government does here. Yeah. It's amazing. You work the prosecution side, then the defense side. And, um, so you have experience on both sides. And I noticed that like with NISPOM and security clearances and government requirements, there's the uh, letter of the law. There's the spirit of the law. Right, right. And there's, then there's addressing problems with the law. Right. And I, I deal a lot with the spirit and addressing the problems. You know, the letter of the law, we can always presuppose by the time folks come to me and, you know, the deeper part of the clearance, there's already been a problem. Um, and that's why really, you know, and again, I, I'm interested in the work you do and I kind of follow along with what all the stuff you put out there but what I love to do is be involved with the the SF86 as early as possible like if someone is applying for a clearance or is you know whether it's an initial job that they get and they're being sponsored for a secret or a TS or you know for a top secret clearance 
then they have to fill out their initial SF-86 through, uh, through JPASS on the EQIP system, that, so they do it online. But the form's pretty daunting. It's, uh, I think it's 127 pages, and I always tell folks, that's your big deal. So if you're applying for an original clearance or renewing a, a secret after 10 years or a TS after five, or if an incident, if something's come up that you need to report, in all likelihood, the, the, either the government or the, the contractor, you know, the private contractors, going to require you to fill out a new SF-86, you know, which notably is going to talk about the incident you're concerned with. But boy, do I like to be involved at that point, because if it goes wrong there, as you know, it, it very well is hard to fix down the road. Well, that's what I appreciate about knowing, appreciate about knowing you because I get those hard questions and I try to refer them to you because you know how to address those problems early. But a lot of questions we get are proceed the SF-86. Like somebody right. that understand the system say, hey, how do I get a security clearance? So right, right. Get a classified job. What would you tell them? Uh, it doesn't start that way. You've got to get sponsored, right? It's all about being sponsored for a clearance. And I think the last figures that I've seen for, a, for a, a company, whether it's a government or a private contractor, to sponsor someone just for a secret clearance, which is where, you know, what, maybe 85% of all clearances fall. Um, I think it's about $6,000. And you probably know this figure better than I do. And I think a TS is maybe 10000 or more. So they've already got an investment before you really, before they're make, giving you a paycheck. Um, so to me, I, I always hear that, hey, I want to get a clearance so I can get a good job. And I'm like, it works the other way. You've got to get sponsored first. Yeah. So it's really out of, unless you're sponsored, it's out of your hands as an employee on whether or not you get a clearance because you have to get that sponsorship first. Right. And it's, you know, uh, the, the sponsorships, to my understanding, and, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but a sponsorship or a clearance, once it's granted, it's good for 24 months. After 24 months, there's a loss of jurisdiction. Then you got to get sponsored again. And I see, again, and you see this, I'm sure, a lot more than me, but all these jobs where they um, or they have these like uh, security clearance um, seminars, not seminars, but gatherings, trying to fit all to find these people with clearances for these jobs. Um, because a company, if it takes... What are you seeing now for an interim clearance? I'm kind of thinking six to eight months, you know, at the outside right now. The record I've seen was 12 hours, and that was in 2006. Oh. <laughs> right, but but now you're I'm seeing it's a long time. Is that right? Is that a, yeah. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, so a lot of these companies, well, what I'm experiencing, I mean, they don't want to hang out and wait for someone to, to get an interim clearance so that they could start working on classified material. So these companies just don't, they want someone with a clearance, but if they don't, then, you know, they're not paying them generally while they're waiting for the interim clearance. Right. Um, so, and that's, that's assuming from, from what I've seen, that's assuming everything's blue skies and there's no background issues, no problematic issues, you know, whether it's drugs, alcohol, you know, uh, debt issues, tax issues, you know, choose your poison. But it, it takes a while in the best of circumstances. Yeah, so like a large company, a large defense contractor might be able to absorb and incorporate an uncleared employee while they wait for their clearance. Right. If you have three employees or less, one third of your workforce can't work. And right. You're them. Yeah. And so that's something that people should keep in mind. 
Right. And the thing that I tell folks too, the other, so what I've really been seeing a lot of lately is um, I'm seeing with one, one charge in the past, a one DUI, and it used to be several DUIs, right? Or, or, you know, as far as the problems I've been seeing several DUIs over a lifetime, yeah, that's going to pop up and there's going to be an issue. I've seen a number of cases now with one DUI in a lifetime, and now they're looking to revoke, the government's looking to revoke or deny a clearance. So it's it's pretty scary. I mean, they they pretty they want a squeaky clean, you know, background. And if someone and a lot of us, you know, life is life, so things happen. If if something has gone wrong, I mean, there is mitigation allowed where you can kind of work through the system, and you you know, it, it is a forgiving system. But you know, I, I do see a lot of issues. I mean, debt issues. I see that. Um, you know, just all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Well, what I've noticed is what I've done, um, I did some research and wrote a series of articles for clearance jobs on the 13 adjudication criteria. Right. And what I have found out is no, you can't have a clearance is not often the answer. If those multiple, those multiple DUIs and some issues can be mitigated. No, you're exactly right. Now, now, for instance, DUIs, I'm just kind of talking about that. Here's what I always tell folks. And when I say DUI, it doesn't even have to be that. It could be a minor in possession if you were, you know, under 21, like, like uh, all three of my boys are at one, one left, well, two left in Tuscaloosa. Minor in possession is a big deal. My youngest turned 21 last week. So now I'm finally past that concern. Oh. But, uh, you know, one minor in possession, I mean, you've got to disclose it because the question is, have you ever had uh, a charge uh, or an issue charge, however they phrase it, with alcohol? And it, the word is ever. It's not la the last seven years. It's not the last 10 years like you think for a secret seven or a TS-10. It's ever. So you've got to put it down. So I tell folks, if you've had, so everyone understands, you know, uh, one DUI. I, everyone's got that. I mean, that's that's our human condition here in the United States. You get to a second DUI. Here's my view. Everyone understands one. You get to a second, you're like, hmm. You get to a third alcohol issue. I don't care what it is. You're like, yeah, there's something here, right? And um, so then what I recommend and what the mitigation allows, what you wrote about was you know, people are allowed to to address their disease if it's alcoholism or alcohol abuse or dependency, whatever it is. I mean, but you you know, but you need to work a program. You need to go as the as the directive says. You go to AA and and work it. You know, that's forgiveness. But to say that after the third DUI, when the government you I know for sure and you know for sure is going to express a concern. To say, yeah, well, you know what, I only now drink maybe a couple of beers on the weekend. They don't want to hear that. Right. You've got to have some response that's that's you know involved. It's that's in that directive under the mitigation. Perhaps maybe counseling completed or um, letters of recommendation from folks. Are those some of the mitigations? Yes, but it's also the, the, the relapse. Just talking about alcohol and drugs right now, or kind of mm -hmm. look, looking at that. They don't want to see a relapse. So, so what I tell folks, I always tell folks, listen, I've got three boys. I don't want to be a dad to a fourth. What I recommend is you, you stop drinking. Whether you think you've got a problem or not, you stop drinking and you go to AA, go two to three times a week. And then once this clearance issue is passed, I don't care what you do. 
But if you don't adopt that so you can say that, I think you're going to have a problem. Now, maybe I don't feel that strongly with maybe one DUI but or, you know, one alcohol issue in the past, but more than one, anything like that, you th that's what I would do. And that's what I tell my clients that. And again, I, I say that with zero judgment. Who am I to say, hey, you've got a drinking problem or you, you know better than me, you know better than anyone. But boy, it sure um, would save everything or it sure would save the clearance issue if you did that. Right. OK, so maybe I'm a, a brand new employee. I don't have a clearance yet, regardless of whether or not I have a security clearance problem. Is there anything I can do to speed up the process of getting a clearance? Uh, that's more your bailiwick than mine. I don't think so. I, I mean, I don't know how you do that. Maybe unless you're working for one of these real big contractors and they have some pull or some clout to do that. But I just don't see that. Yeah. I, my biggest concern is when in that in that moment, I always tell folks, you know, most all of us have one, two, three questions on the SF-86 that give you some concerns. I'll give you a for instance, and I see this a lot. Have you used illegal drugs in the last seven years? Illegal drugs defined as marijuana, hashish, you know, and then all the hard stuff. So what do you say? You're 22, 23, just out of college. Now, if you can honestly say, no, never done it, great. Well, what are you going to say? And also, if you say no to that, are you ever going to be in a job where you have to undergo a polygraph? And I don't know, you're probably in a field where you see polys more than I do. I see them periodically if, when folks get into these high-flying jobs that require a top-secret clearance with, you know, SCI or SAP. But, you know, if you get into that where you're taking a polygraph, I, I had um, one client who went to Washington, D.C. for four polygraphs. The first three, you're being deceptive, you're being deceptive, you're being deceptive. No, I'm not, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. Fourth polygraph, they fly him back out a fourth time. Are you being deceptive? Okay, you're right. And, you know, that's all not good. So, you know, I think you've got to kind of be mindful of that if you're, if you're a young person and applying. I mean, I think that's worthy of a discussion anyway. Yeah. And then so what I was thinking about when I ask you if there's anything to, to do to speed it up, um, yeah, I'll ask it another way. Um, the SF-86 is a huge document. Right. Is there any like pre-work that somebody can do? Like, I guess, you know, you need all the places you've lived written down somewhere. Sure. sure. You, you know what I tell folks to do? And I, I don't know what you advise, but I, I say here's here's a PDF of the SF-86. Go through it now. Because, you know, when, when they open that window for you, hey, new employee, good news, you're now employed or you're going to be employed. you got to fill out the SF-86, right? So we're going to put you in. We're going to sponsor you for a clearance. But then they give you a short window. It's, what, 20 to 30 days to have that done. Right. And I've had a couple of people in the last year not get to it. These were active employees with a clearance and it was time for a renewal of both secret clearances. Too busy, didn't get to it. Window closes, clearance gone. And now they're out of a job. So I guess to, to your question is, I like working on it because there's some stuff that's pretty straightforward where you've lived. I mean, I'll take a little bit of work, but it's going to be the problem questions. And you want to have those answers to me perfectly nailed down, thought through, written out. 
vetted and blessed. And then I like to be involved in that process, but, or let a buddy of yours, uh, or a friend be involved, but vetted and blessed so that when you're ready to get to that question, all you got to do is cut and paste. And the answer is as perfect as you can get it. I think that's really important. So since you, um, you specialize in problems with security clearances, I know we talked about drugs and alcohol. Are In your practice, um, what is the most prevalent problem you've seen that's repeated? Sure. And, and I get this a lot from the judges that I deal with, the judges and the government counsel, because there are they're all based out of Arlington, Virginia, the Department of Hearings and Appeals. They're the ones that are kind of responsible. They work with the CAF, the Central Adjudication Facility at Fort Meade, but but they're the ones that pull clearances. And when we talk kind of off the record about stuff, debt problems are number one, um, far and away number one, and then alcohol, drugs, and then a smattering of, I see a lot of foreign influence lately. That's That's a big concern. But with the debt issues, um, well, and an offshoot of that is I see people that, and this is crazy to me, they don't file their tax returns. Oh. So there's a specific problem or they miss it or they just don't get to it. And in my experience, I deal with debt issues a lot through my bankruptcy practice anyway, but people just kind of have this aversion when, all right, I didn't get my taxes filed net last year. I think I owe, but no one said anything. So I'm just not going to get to this year. If you miss a year or two, if just filing your taxes, I could care less if you owe or not. But if you don't file your taxes under the this guideline F uh, regulation for clearance concerns, fail to follow United States rules and regulations. And that's a killer. And I don't care if you paid, then paid, filed late and then paid your taxes. So I always tell folks, and I write about this sometimes, that if you're missing a tax return for to the IRS or your state or states, if you're if you're a multi-state, uh, you know, if you have to file multi-states, file them immediately because that's a big deal. So that's an offshoot. But but with debts, I've had people that um, have old debts and sometimes under debts, you, you, the debts for for Americans, you know, for for all of us are are. are Viewed on the credit report, that's how the government finds it, under what's called the Fair Credit Reporting Act. That's the federal law that applies to everything as it relates to, to what can be on your credit report. And if old debt's out there, there's this big deal. If you, if you pay old debt, even if you pay $5 on an old debt, it restarts the statute of limitations if the statute's run. So it's kind of a big mess. And a lot of times people will be told by their mortgage broker, hey, don't pay this old debt because you're not you know, it's going to re-age the debt. Now it's going to show us bad credit, which is all true. But then when you get in front of a security clearance judge, well, you owe this debt. Well, yeah, but I was told not to pay it. I was given legal advice or, you know, my mortgage advice not to pay it because, you know, I was going to get a great mortgage. But they said, if you pay that. So it, it's a real complicated mess. And, and what I tell folks, and I hope I'm not babbling too much, but what I tell folks is, Kind of to this point, when you get to the debt section, before you get there, get all three of your credit reports and you can get them for free at annualcreditreport.com. Again, that's annualcreditreport.com. I recommend getting them in writing. Um, I have a form that I explain, folks, why you would get them in writing. It's it's a little more complicated over what we want to cover here, I think. But they can send me an email. My email is rsykstus.com 
at bondandbotes.com. That's B-O-N-D-N-B-O-T-E-S.com. They just put credit report in the subject. I'll send them my form, which explains why you want to get them in writing. And I have the actual form pre-printed. All they got to do is fill it out and mail it in. That's That would allow them to at least see what the debt situation looks like, to see what the government says is out there. Um, but again, you asked me what the number one thing is, and the and and number one thing is debts, yeah. you know, debts. Well, thanks for providing solutions for that. Um, not every situation is hopeless. Most situations can be mitigated with the right attitude. And like you mentioned, um, they have to take responsibility for their actions and show um, that they are not making excuses for it, but show that that has occurred and it's no longer behavior or they're working to rectify it. Um, so you seem to have a lot of experience in this area. And I just want to highlight a couple of things. You have... Um, a blog called Next Lawyer Up. You're the author of many books, including books Bankruptcy. We wrote the book on it. Navigating Legal Issues for Military Veterans. The next one is Best Practices for Following Chapter 13 and Chapter 7 Commercial Bankruptcy Strategies. Finally, Security Clearance Issues, Problems, Denials, and Revocations. And all those books are available. Um, I've seen some of them on Amazon.com. Are they on your website as well? Yeah, the links to them are on our website. Okay. Um, and, and I have a lot of stuff. You know, folks don't really even need to buy the book so much. A lot of the information there, Jeff, is available at no charge at our website. If they go to that blog post there, at, it's bondandbotes.com. That's B-O-N-D-A-N-D-B-O-T-E-S.com. If they just go under that blog, under all those topic areas, a lot of that stuff is right there at no charge. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Clearedcast with your host, Jeff Bennett. Please visit news.clearancejobs.com for more security clearance and defense industry news and career advice.